0: Okay, welcome to our installment of In the Corner, the Baylor Lariat Sports Desk's awesome podcast. We're back for another round. You're on air with Will, Justin, and Brian. And uh, it's a good week to be a uh, Baylor Bear in uh, athletics, is I'd say so. I oh, mean,
1: When the equestrian team's pulling off with a sweep, it just doesn't get better than that. I mean, you, that, can't, yes. you can't top that kind of publicity, but...
0: Um, we got a lot of good stuff to cover here today. We're talking, uh, we're going to lead off with a little bit of basketball, and then we're going to move on to uh, baseball and softball, which had uh, kind of conflicting weekends. But uh, basketball did not swept the basketball uh, uh, duo of games here over the weekend. And uh, obviously, the first thing we got to talk about Michael Beasley and those
1: pesky Kansas State Wildcats. Put up uh, 86. Beasley puts up 44. Yeah. Walker and Beasley combined for 75 of 86. The rest of the team just shot three of 18 from the field. So, I mean, uh, you figure if uh, Michael Beasley comes in and sets a Big 12 record for 44 points in the game, we wouldn't stand a chance. But somehow Scott Drew and the Bears uh, found a way to pull it out.
2: I think uh, Kevin. I think it was Kevin Rogers who said that during the press conference, I he says uh, you can't have two players, or something to the extent. you can't have two players... Beat the entire team. I think we saw that pretty well. And
0: it, the the funny thing to me, guys, was the fact that it seemed like, guy. I mean, you look at Clint Stewart and Blake Young and and Jacob Pullen and and those three guards are are you know they're starting guards. Those three guys kind of, guys kind of uh, put together um, what they do around Beasley and Walker. And those guys um, combined uh, went one of fifteen and. I mean, they were passing up open shots. They would take uh, shots that were contested. And it just kind of seemed like outside of Beasley and Walker, this team was just kind of lost. They were uh, barely treading water. And um, and what you saw it in the second half when um, Beasley, it seemed like he got a little bit tired having to carry the whole team on his shoulders. Um, Walker kind of took some arrogant shots he probably shouldn't have taken. And, um, I mean, Beasley, 15 of 15 from the line, but he just didn't get there enough. In uh, 38 minutes and uh in, in the end you play a team like Baylor with a deep bench and you, and you're basically playing five guys basically it's 2 on 5 the whole game i mean it's it's just it's not going to turn out well
1: yeah and like you mentioned earlier will uh basically only had three shots from beyond the arc uh, he obviously needed something else to do to carry that team um overall i think this is more uh, it, this is a huge win for Baylor in terms of you know keeping their standings for the NCAA tournament Uh, But obviously, I think this is like more psychological than anything. Just uh, from the standpoint, you have Curtis Gerald, who seemed kind of messed up there after the Oklahoma game. Uh, Missed those two free throws. Um, Still only 7-11 from the line, but he really uh, catapulted this team to to this victory over Kansas State. 24 points, 7 assists. Um, And then welcome back Aaron Bruce. Uh, The rebirth
0: of Aaron Bruce, the
1: renaissance um, after after a couple uh bad weeks there in Big Twelve play, he finally came back with 11 points. So it was good to see Bruce get back on top of his game.
2: Right, he got back for what he what he did it up in Norman. He fouled on the three point play up at uh, OU up, and then he, in this game he got fouled and hit the extra point to make a four point play. So and and
0: that that play was arguably the biggest of the game. Kind of uh, I believe it tied either yeah, tied up or yeah, put him, ahead by yeah, one. Put him up, up ahead by one and. Uh, after that point, it just kind of seemed like the ball started rolling in Baylor's favor, um, and I I think what astounded me most was just the fact that they came out, um, kind of fell behind early against Kansas State, weren't looking real real sharp, and the fact that you can come out after a game like Oklahoma, and that was their fourth straight loss. I mean, this that Oklahoma game did not happen in a vacuum. I mean, they they lost against Oklahoma, and that's I that was just kind of one more thing to pile onto the the uh, the top of, of all that and and all, now all of a sudden you know 18 and eight and you know all of a sudden you're thrown back into this wide open big 12 race fourth and big 12 I think four-way tie three-way tie um, then but look go ahead the uh, four-way tie for uh, fourth place the scary thing is there are seven teams within a game of each other in the big 12 and um, when you look at how well some of these teams are playing now given Baylor has arguably the easiest schedule of any of them down the stretch, but um, you just you can't account for these upsets. I mean, with Oklahoma State beating Kansas, that's a bottom four team beating a top two or three team. So, I mean, anything can happen at this point, but you got to like the Bears' chances after after winning.
1: Yeah, especially with uh, Colorado-Missouri still ahead. We should win those games, but like you said earlier, upsets seem to be a common thing so far in the Big 12. So it's uh, it lies in the Bears' hands, that's for sure. What? One of the most exciting things after that game that, that I saw was,
0: I mean, we, we've all heard it all year long about how Coach Drew says, you know, this is it's nobody's team. Um, it's, it just kind of depends on who gets hot um, during the day. Um, and, you know, they're going to feed the, the hot hand. And that, that is true to an extent. Um, but no team is going to really thrive like that. I mean, you, you need one guy. I mean, we saw it with, with A&M and A.C. Law last year. And it's, they're kind of missing it now this year, which is kind of why they're sliding six and six in the conference. Um, and Baylor, after I felt like after the Paradise Jam tournament and CJ um, kind of nailed that down for them, that he was going to kind of be that. And I mean, he's been good all year long, but it, you know, he's kind of been on and off. And obviously, the, the, I mean, big time players don't miss two free throws at the end of the game like he did um, in Oklahoma. And I, I'm starting. You're starting to kind of see him. Um, take on that role. He took 16 shots, which was four more than anybody else on the team, uh, six more than any other guard. So, um, with with him, I I think he kind of needs to take the mantle. He played more than anybody else on the team. So, if he, I, I think as Gerald's goes, the bear the Bears go. And um, if he continues to step up and kind of play well and make those big shots, then um, I think this guy's the limit for this team. All
2: right, definitely true. But the one good thing about Baylor is that if just to counter a little bit, what you're saying is, if he uh, if he doesn't have a good night, you have three or four other guards that come in and play in the same position, and so you know the the times that Benders played the worst this year is when we've had three or four players that haven't been able to produce, and that just doesn't happen very often. So uh, when you have all when you have all those guards, you, chances are you're going to have three of them better. They're playing pretty well.
0: I I think it's it's less of a problem of all of the guards contributing. Um, as Because, I mean, as we've seen, this team's going to score points. They're going to be competitive in most every game. I don't think it's as much of a problem as them competing. I think it's of a problem as them competing when it matters in the last maybe four or five minutes of the game and obviously in overtime. So um, if, if, if the team continues to mature, um, which kind of sounds weird with as many juniors as they have, but, I mean, they've not been here yet, so let's kind of remember that and temper our enthusiasm a little bit. As we go towards the postseason, um, so uh, that'll uh, wrap it up for the men's side and the women. I tell you, they, they just keep winning. Well, I mean, what is this? It's seven players contributing on uh, on
1: Saturday against Iowa State, and yet they still come out with a five-point win. It's they continue to amaze me. I, I really don't know what to say. Tisdale four fouls with nine minutes left. Mulkey has the guts to leave her in there, then Mul- and then Tisdale, you know. Pleases, uh, pleases Mulkey. Nine of her 14 points coming after she came back in with nine fouls in the game. Uh, just great decision by Mulkey. Uh, Tisdale showing great discipline as a senior. To be able to play the last nine minutes of a huge conference game up in Ames, Iowa, uh, where it's, a, it's just a tough place to play, for Tisdale to come in and do that and help propel the team to a 59-54 victory, pretty impressive. Jessica Morrow. Uh, she's really stepped up since players gone out. Eight of sixteen this game, uh, 18 points. I think uh, her average for the last six games is around the 18 point area. So uh, it's it's really good to see somebody step up in the in the absence of player.
0: And if you would have told me that um, we were going to go this game and get virtually zero contributions on the offensive end from two big time players, which I mean they're young, but and Jessica Bradley and Kelly Griffin. Um, you've got seven players you're gonna need contributions from all seven I mean you just can't get around that nobody played less than 20 minutes in this game um, and if you're in the game for that long for I mean that's an entire half um, you're gonna to have to be producing something and usually with a multi team um, defense comes first um, hustle plays athletic plays um, and then the offense follows and if you would have told me before the game that Jessica Bradley who has been a pretty crucial cog down low. I mean, not a scoring machine by any means. She is not a Paris brother, but um, she was the difference maker in that Oklahoma game. But, about. but she absolutely has been providing some uh, some good spark. And for her to go one for eight, which and pretty much all those those shots came from inside the paint. Um, for her to do that and have these Lady Bears still overcome a uh, a four point halftime deficit and just come out and And romp in the second half. I mean, it it is Iowa State, but I mean, you got to give this team credit. Um,
1: They just keep winning. Yeah, it's it's the defense once again. Three point Iowa State's the leader in the conference. Uh, They hold Iowa State eight of twenty two shooting, thirty six percent. That's just what it. That's what it takes to win, obviously, in the Big Twelve. And um, you know, you've seen the Lady Bears do it time and time again. They they get to Oklahoma, hold them to the lowest scoring output of their season. Uh, It's just. Even with a seven-player rotation, Mulkey has these girls clicking right now, and the way they're playing—if they continue this hot, or continue to play this hot—they can really make a deep run in the NCAA's. And Brian, I want to get your opinion on this now.
0: How close is this team to actually making a legitimate run in the NCAA's? Because I—I mean, we can talk all we want about a Big 12 title, which is you know, it's it's key. Um, But at this point, I mean you've got to start thinking about the postseason if you're looking from the outside in. And Mulkey has had better teams than this. She's had deeper teams than this. And she's had those teams fizzle out of the tournament. Like, last year's team ran up against a buzzsaw in NC State. It was basically a home game. And Kate Yao was coming back from her, um, her cancer thing. And, I mean, the whole stadium was basically charged against them. And, I mean, they lost, you know, arguably their biggest impact player from last year. So, I mean, where can this team possibly go in the postseason?
2: Well, I think if you had asked me that question about two weeks ago, I said not very far, but I think uh, with the loss of Jasmine Player, at first it really bothered me. And I was thinking this is not going to be it's not going to work out very well because uh, they didn't rebound very well against Tech and they play. I mean, against uh, Oklahoma State, and then I was covering the Tech game, and they they won that game by a sizable margin, but there just it wasn't that spark. And Texas they had a little trouble there, but now against OU and and this last game, it looks like that they're starting to gel, gel and figure out where their position is there. And I think with that, I, I'd say that you know the the, sem- the not the semifinals, but the uh, the regional fi- uh, finals, at least, if not the maybe um, even a chance in the Final Four. To pick, all, it all really depends on what where that seating is, and that's where the Big Twelve tournament comes in. And if they're sitting at number nine right now, which if you just go by numbers, puts them at at uh, number two seed. And, then, you know, the one national championship at number two seed, they're going to need to get the best seeding possible to have a chance to, to make it uh, to,
1: uh, to the top four. And when, uh, looking at the rest of the schedule, uh, a game up in the Big 12 to- of, of uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma. Have Colorado this week here at home. Should be an easy win, but like we said, in men's basketball upsets are seem to be a prevalent thing. Um, then we have a huge game against, or at A&M should be a big deciding factor for if this women's basketball team is for real.
0: A&M's, A&M's having a down year, but, I mean, they're still they're still a difficult uh, difficult team, especially on the road. I mean, that's a tough place to play. So, All right, well, that will wrap up our first section on basketball, and we'll take a break for our many and awesome sponsors, and we'll be back after this.